here I am, just like I promised, second episode of the week. Um, this is going to be a preview of UFC 280, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Mahachev for the lightweight title, or the vacant lightweight title, because Charles Oliveira missed away and they stripped him, but he's a real champ, and he's fighting Islam Mahachev, um, arguably the either 1A or the best, depending on who you ask, in the lightweight division. Um, I'm just going to break down the main card as for ease of information. I know this is not an MMA podcast, and you know what? I might end up starting an MMA podcast because I I like MMA that much. I'm just going to go down um, the main card today, starting with the bottom uh, to set the the mood off right. We got Caitlin Chukagian versus Manon Fiorat. Now, you might not know Manon, but Caitlin Chukagian is probably right now. Uh, I didn't even notice she fought some of these people twice, but uh, Caitlin Chukagian right now might be the best 125er not named Valentina Shevchenko. Um, she lost to Jessica Andrade, but that's always a toss-up when you're fighting a power puncher like Jessica Andrade. But for her last five fights, she was 4-1. and one. After she lost to Valentina, she fought her sister, Antonina, um, won by unanimous decision, lost to Jessica Andrade by punches, and she's decisioned the rest of the people. But the names are Amanda Hebos, Jennifer Maya, Vivian Arujo, and Cynthia Calvillo, all Pretty good contenders, at least if you're a, an MMA fan from from a competition standpoint. And I did not know that she beat Jennifer Maya twice. And it looks like she's only fought good people while she's been a top 125er. Alexis Davis, Joanne Wood, formerly Joanne Calderwood, I- Irene Aldana, uh, Lauren Murphy. The list goes on. She's fought the who's who of the 125, and like I said, she is the best 125-er not named Valentina Shevchenko. Um, Arguably, she probably is the only person that can really give her a run for her money, but then again, Talia Santos, if it was not for that accidental headbutt, had Valentina on the ropes. Um, that's just my opinion. A lot of people say, oh, Valentina was never in trouble. And, and I get it. She never really was in trouble. But she also wasn't doing her Valentina thing looking like she's the best thing since sliced bread. You know what I'm saying? Valentina usually imposes her will on every and anybody that that comes into the ring with her. Now... Man in Fiorat, she is nine and one. She's relatively new in the UFC. It looks like she joined the UFC in twenty twenty one, but since then she's been on a four fight win streak. Um, she lost her first fight by split decision, but she's won the previous nine after that, beating Jennifer Maya most recently, Myra um, Bueno Silva, and Tabitha Ricci. Now, when to say that these are super top tier fighters other than Jennifer Maya, but it's kind of thin at the top of 125 with 
Jessica Andrade moving up and down in weight sometimes from 125 to 115. Um, also with Cynthia Calvillo, she was also 115, now 125. But these, man, it must be hard being a woman in the UFC because 115, you got dogs. 125, you got a goat. 135, you got a goat. 145, you got a goat. It's really hard right now for all the women's divisions for somebody to break out and become the next best person because the only person that Valentina has lost to, at least in the UFC, I think is Amanda Nunes, and that was twice. And everybody else, um, she kind of just beat. Right, yeah, it looks like everybody else, since she's joined the UFC, she's beat. And I just noticed on Valentina Shevchenko's win-loss record, she lost to Liz, Liz Carmouche. If you don't know who that is, she is a UFC fighter. Pretty decent. Uh, I think um, Valentina beat her pretty good last time, but... um. Yeah, the first time they fought, it looks like she threw in the towel. Uh, it looks like she's done it the right way, though. She threw in the towel there. And then, um, again, she lost to Amanda Nunes, arguably the best woman fighter as of right now. Um, not named Cyborg. So, we'll see how this goes. Um, Kaylin Chukagian versus Manafriora. I've, I've, I feel like this is going to be a real good fight. It's going to have title implications. Obviously, um, Kaylin has already fought for the title. And Valentina made decent work of her. But Manon has not fought anybody like Kaylin yet. So we'll see. Um, next fight going down is Benil Dariush. Versus Matias Gamrot. Now this is going to be a good fight. Benil Dariush is on a streak before he got hurt. Um, he beat Frank Camacho, Drew Dover, Tiago Moises, Gods Holtzman, Diego Fiera, and Tony Ferguson, which was the last one back in 2021. I think he was supposed to fight Islam Mahachev, but he got hurt. And... Bobby Green had to step in at the last moment, but Benil Dariush has been looking pretty good. Um, looks like he had a rough go at the beginning of his UFC career. Um, Michael Chiesa lost. Edson Barboza draw with Evan Dunham. Lost to Alexander Hernandez, but since then, he's been on a seven-fight win streak, and most of these fighters in the 155 have been streaking lately, but, you know, Du Bronx, Habib, Islam, the top of the top is pretty tight, I would say. And Mateus Gamrot, let's see, I don't know much about him. I know he's a he's a pretty good fighter. Looks like Armand Sarukian. Diego Fiera, Jeremy Stevens, Scott Holtzman, those are all pretty good fighters, and he won. Uh, Armand, he took to decision, but everybody else finished within two rounds. Um, like I said, I don't know much about him, but 
this has been Neil's first fight back since injury since uh, May 2021, and Mateus last fought in June. So we'll see if ring rust comes into play, if there's any fear. I can't remember what his injury was, but it, it kept him out for a good bit, a little bit over a year, so... This will be an exciting fight. Again, Benil was basically um, him and Islam were supposed to fight to see who would be the next title contender or number one, um, what is that, number one title eliminator. So we'll see how this goes because if Islam wins... Uh, I imagine there's going to be an immediate rematch, but Benil would probably be the next person up to be the uh, the fighter for the world title. All right, so next up we have Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Now this is going to be a good fight. Um. Peter Yan basically looks unstoppable for the most part. Obviously, he lost his belt to Aljamain on a weird illegal knee. And then he he beats Corey Sandhagen and then he loses to Aljamain Sterling again. But it's good to see if you guys have been watching any of the UFC uh, media. Him and Aljamain have been pretty cordial, which is cool to see. I know they weren't really that cool before. Part of that could have been played up just for the media, but they've been pretty good to each other since then. And Sugar Sean O'Malley, everybody knows this guy. Um, he'll he'll say he's thirteen and zero, but I think he's thirteen and or now he's fifteen and one. Um, but he's pretty much taking care of everybody that. That he's fought. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna say there's a. F- he kind of got a fluke little injury, Marlon v- versus Marlon Vera. He's had foot problems in the past, and I can't put it past him. He did lose. I'm not one of those people that that'll buy into his media portrayal of his record. But um, after that, he made Thomas Almeida look like a joke. He made Chris Matinho look like a joke. Man, he's pretty, he's one of the best strikers um, in the 135 division. The only problem is Pideon, I feel like, in general, has more um, high-level fights when it comes to being in the UFC. Uh, Sean O'Malley took the long way, which is smart because, hey, might as well get paid while you're doing something right. <laughs> Might as well get paid and get the most money you can while you can still fight. They're both relatively young, Peter being 29 and Sean O'Malley being 27. But this will be a good fight because Peter Yon made Corey Sanhagen look like he couldn't box. Now, Corey's one tough individual and he ate... The entire onslaught that Peter Young handed out to him. But by the end of the fight, he just kind of looked defeated. There was nothing he was doing was working. He couldn't get on the inside. He couldn't use his grappling. Which is the key to this fight. Because Corey Stanhagen and Sean O'Malley have similar body types. Now, I'm not going to say they're exactly the same. But Sean O'Malley 
is 5'11", and let's see how tall is Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen is also 5'11", so it's not the first time that Peter Yan has seen someone like Sean O'Malley in terms of build. So it'll be interesting to see how Sean um, decides to fight Peter Yan because Peter Yan is always a slow starter. He'll work his way inside and has some crisp boxing and hopefully he covers up his body because that's a lot of people have pointed out that he always has his hands high, but he's never fought anybody that likes to throw body kicks and take down. So, and the one person who did, which was Corey Sandhagen, he made quick work of. And now Jermaine Sterling, I would say, Peteon just got it going too late. He was doing pretty good towards the end, but too little too late. So when this fight goes around, um, man, it'll be exciting to see because this will be the first big test for Sean O'Malley's career. It would have been Pedro Munoz, but there's an accidental eye poke and... Uh, he couldn't continue. He couldn't see. And there's no point of continuing. Might as well make sure your eyes okay. And then you can see. Shout out to Michael Bisping. One-eyed legend. <laughs> Not everybody can be that tough. So you might as well make sure your eyes okay. And I know he says he quit. But really, you know. I know deep down. He, it's just all about safety. Because it is. We all got to remember. Fighting is their job. You know, toughness doesn't get them more money. Winning and being able to fight, even if they lose, gets them money. So I'd rather be able to fight than maybe win a fight, but have one eye, right? Oh, man. The next fight is a doozy. Uh, Title fight, Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Obviously, we know TJ Dillashaw got... um, uh, pop for EPO when he fought Cejudo, but he did have those two good fights against Cody Garbrandt, John Lineker, Rafael Sunsell. Um, he's been a two-time um, UFC bantamweight champion, and he just got off of uh, win versus Corey Sanhagen, which he kind of got pushed to the edge here because I think he he did something to his knee. He had to have surgery, and that's why he was out for a little bit, but he's back fighting Aljamain Sterling. Now, as we all found out later on, uh, Aljamain didn't have the best weight cut going into the first Peter Yon fight, so that's why he kind of looked pretty, you know, civilian. He didn't look like he was being a great fighter. He was just getting drugged for all the rounds up until the illegal knee. second fight proved that he... When he has a game plan, he can execute it, and he can make anybody look silly with his grappling. But he, in terms of, uh, what is that, recognition, awards, and uh, wrestling pedigree, etc., TJ Dillashaw is technically the better wrestler, if we just look at it on paper. Does that mean anything in the octagon? No, unless he makes it mean something. Uh if TJ can take him down and keep him there, his ground to pound is pretty vicious. TJ Dillashaw, arguably one of the greatest 135ers of all time. Certainly being a two-time champion, trying to become a three-time champion. like Not many people do that, just in general, in the UFC. 
People will fight their whole career not get one opportunity at a championship. TJ has had, this is his third. So we'll see how he does coming back after that, after those terrible injuries, fighting uh, Corey Sandhagen um, against Aljamain. Aljamain's looked good, though. He's looked good for the past few fights. Uh, so we'll see. Other than his terrible weight cut versus Peter Yan the first time, uh, he he looks ready. He looks ready to, to go to war with TJ. And then the fight that everybody's been waiting to see, this is <laughs> Charles Oliveira versus Islam Mahachev, which is Tony Ferguson versus Habib 2.0. Um, what can I say? Charles Oliveira has had an up and down career. He used to be a 145er and he he missed weight a lot, you know, and got got beat, but we could probably knowing what we know now, he could probably attribute that to the weight cut. He should have never been in 145 and since he moved up to 155, he's looked really good. But he has a tendency to get hit. And, you know, the name of the game is to hit and not get hit. And if he gets hit by the wrong person, that could mean big trouble, right? And Islam Mahachev is looking to be that guy. Islam has one loss in his illustrious career, 22-1. and one. Um, And he admitted in that fight he didn't take that guy seriously. And a lot of people say that he doesn't deserve a title shot, but... He has 11 wins in a row. There's not a lot of people that's done that. The only person that would retroactively deserve a title shot is Tony Ferguson, which he got. But, you know, the virus had other plans. Um, His knee had other plans. Um, Khabib's back had other plans. There's a lot of ups and downs and back and forth. But with this fight... um, We will see if Islam is as good as everybody says he is, right? Overall, skill-wise, he's more rounded than Khabib. And when I say that, I mean that he has better hands on the feet, and then he he is like 1B on the ground. Um, Obviously, in Russia or those Eastern eastern-ish asian type of countries there's a lot of respect for your elders so for all intents and purposes islam Mahachev could be better than habib but islam will never say he's better than habib and habib will always praise islam for being a great fighter so we'll never truly know who is better at what but we all know what khabib did and islam has been training with khabib the whole time his record reflects that um, obviously Khabib only cared about fighting and winning, so he never took anybody lightly. But, you know, when you're the, the little brother, little cousin, you know, you think you're invincible when you're associated with that guy. And Khabib was that guy. But he's beaten who Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, Gleason Tebow, Kajan Johnson, Armand Sarukian, Davey Ramos, Drew Dober, Tiago Moises, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, and nobody really wanted to fight Islam. Um, everyone's crying that he hasn't had the body of work that Charles Oliveira did, and to his 
credit. No, he hasn't because Charles Oliveira has been in the con. He's been in the UFC, I think, even before Habib was in the UFC. So he just has more body of work by virtue of fighting for a longer amount of time in the UFC. And he does have the record for most submission wins in UFC history. So this fight will be really interesting to watch because what kind of fight will it be? Will Islam do it to him on the hands while, while they're standing or will they get taken down and Islam just does ground and pound and Charles Oliveira can't do anything about it? Like, we don't know because he's one of the greatest submission artists in UFC history. There's a reason why he gets a lot of finishes. And let's see, he, Gaethje, rear naked choke, Justin Poirier, rear naked choke, Michael Chandler, punches, uh, Tony Ferguson, he decision, but Tony Ferguson should have tapped out to that, um, arm bar, um, Kevin Lee, guillotine, Jared Gordon, KO, Nick Lance, TKO, David Tamir, uh, Anaconda choke, rear naked choke, rear naked choke, guillotine, so you can see that he's finishing these people. He's not letting it go to the decision. Um, other than Tony Ferguson. But Tony's too tough for his own good. So we're not even going to really count that, right? Um, man, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Because now we get to know what style is what. You know, you're hoping um, Charles Oliveira wins because of his history. But then you see Islam, the up-and-comer the next coming of Habib, and you really want to know, is he that guy? Um, here comes the part of the show where I try to make my picks. So, I think Caitlin takes it. Um, she has a better body of work versus higher level competition. That doesn't mean Manning can't catch her on something, but Caitlin, outside of fighting... Um, Valentina looks really good, like everywhere. I can't find a reason to pick against her in this one. Um, going with Benil Dariush versus Gamrot. Um, I just like Benil. I think he's, even though he was out for a little while, his streak, he was doing real well up until that point. So, And he was in the number one contender's fight before he got injured. So he could be fighting for the title this um, this card instead of being uh, on the main card. Um, it's going to be hard to pick against Peter Yan. Um, I think he just has the better hands. Crisper boxing. Um, I'm going to go Aljamain over TJ. Um, just because Aljamain has been fighting for a little while. And then I'm going Islam because, you know, I had to support your boy, Habib. <laughs> so th I'm going to have a post-show. Um, hopefully I get to watch the card. I'm going to be a little bit busy. But those are my picks for UFC 280.